WBCRFM, Loudonville, Albany. Proudly owned and operated by Siena College, a Franciscan institution. 88.3 Welcome to the Saints and Alumni Show right here on WBCR Through the Saint. I'm your host this week, Brian Murphy, class of 2017, Associate Director of Alumni Engagement. And this week I'm joined by Abby Huffman, class of 2022, former standout Siena volleyball player and current graduate student in Cambridge, England. This week we're talking about her Siena story and life over in England. Stay with us. We'll be right back here on WBCR, 88.3 Saint. Your Siena College Connection, 88.3 The Saint. Welcome back to the Saints and Alumni Show right here on WBCR, 88.3 The Saint. I'm your host this week, Brandon Murphy, class of 2017, Associate Director of Alumni Engagement. And this week, I am joined by Abby Huffman, class of 2022, former standout Siena volleyball player and a current grad student in Cambridge, England. This week, we're talking about her Siena story and life after Siena over in England. A reminder to everyone listening today that although you're listening on WBCR 88.3 The Saint, you can subscribe to the podcast, a bi-weekly podcast highlighting our Siena Saints uh, on Apple and Spotify podcasts, iHeartRadio, and subscribe to the Siena Alumni YouTube channel, Siena Alumni YouTube, uh, and check out the complete selection of shows. Abby, this is your first time on the show. Welcome. How are you doing today? And thanks for taking the time to, to speak with the Siena community. Hi, Brandon. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm doing very well today. Thank you. Great. And we're so excited to have you on. Uh, it's an exciting time of the year. Uh, for winter sports, winter athletics, volleyball, basketball, the Siena community is doing great. Um, and I know all of our listeners are excited to kind of hear uh, your Siena story. And, and in the alumni engagement office, we always love to talk about the legacy families at Siena. And on moving day, we take the legacy photos out front on the academic quad and welcome all of those families to campus. But for you with your family, it's a, it's a legacy volleyball family. Your mom played at Oklahoma and your dad played at UC Santa Barbara, and your dad was on the United States men's national team back in 1987 when the team was ranked number one. That's incredible, um, and that's a great legacy to have. So for your family and for you, are there any great Sierra, uh, volleyball stories that you guys have, and when did you first find your passion uh, to play volleyball? Uh, yeah, so volleyball is kind of an endless conversation topic in my family, so I've heard <laughs> lots of stories about uh, my dad playing at UCSB, playing on the national team. Uh, he got to travel to the Soviet Union, to Japan, play games there, which we actually have a Soviet Union jersey. I guess the players would trade jerseys when they played yeah. each other. It's interesting to have a jersey from a country that doesn't exist anymore. So wow. that's, that's a pretty cool, pretty cool piece of, of memorabilia we have for that. Um, and then my mom was also voted MVP of her team, Oklahoma. So both my parents were probably better at volleyball than I will ever be. Uh, <laughs> I, have a, I have a lot to learn, I'm sure. Um, and they have lots of stories. After they played and moved to California, my mom had me and they ended up coaching at a local school and told me lots of stories about how I would just be passed down the bench and held by different players while my parents got to business actually <laughs> coaching volleyball, so lots of stories. And then when I started playing, I was around nine years old, started just playing very low level volleyball. I was an incredibly unathletic kid, so <laughs> I didn't love for the game until a bit later in life into high school I, I hit a growth spurt and I started realizing you know this can actually be really fun you know 
So I, I really started enjoying myself. I think sophomore year of high school was like, okay, I kind of love this sport. That's it's crazy enough that you say that because sophomore year of my high school career, uh, I, I stopped playing basketball. My twin and my brother played volleyball. Um, and I said, I want to make the jump to basketball to volleyball. Um, and I ended up just sitting the bench. I did not, was not talented at volleyball at all. But our listeners today, they don't want to hear about my high school volleyball story. They want to hear about you and how you ended up at Siena. So that's a great pivot to, to high school and being recruited as a Division One athlete. What was that process like? When did you first hear about Siena? And ultimately, what was the final you know, deciding factor that got you to be a Siena Saint? Yeah, so it was my junior year of high school. I was at a tournament in Las Vegas uh, with my team at the time, and I ended up getting an email. I was spotted by a few recruits and got an email from the coach at Marist College at the time. And being from California, I did not know a lot about kind of the MAC or many D1 schools in the East Coast. And so that kind of opened a door for me of like just to explore. I looked into the conference. I saw Sienna, I saw Ryder, I saw Iona, I started sending emails and Sienna immediately got back to me saying, come visit, like, well, you know, I, I've, I've seen you play, I love your, you know, I think you'd be a good addition to a team. So I came out, I did a big kind of trip through all the schools I was talking to. I saw Northeastern, Marist, Ryder, um, and Sienna, and I had a really great visit to Sienna. The coach at the time was a different coach, Garvey Pierre. He ended up getting fired right before I got to Sienna, so I never got to play with him. But um, he I had a great time the campus just had an amazing feel to it kind of different from every other place I visited uh the girls on the team at the time gave me a really nice tour of campus they were so nice and at the end of the day he made me an offer and it just it really I lucked out to you know get such a good offer to play at a d1 school that just really kind of felt right and I, I love uh those types of stories where it just kind of feels like home and, and you feel like you have that immediate connection and team chemistry as a recruit playing volleyball. And Sienna does a great job at that with those prospective students overall on campus. So when they come and visit, it feels like they're already a student. And, and for you, freshman year, you come onto campus, you have that tight-knit bond for volleyball. Uh, what was it like to be a freshman on campus? Where did you live? Who did you live with? Uh, and what were those first like few weeks like to kind of adjust to, to a college uh, student and athlete? Yeah, so I lived in Ryan Hall with Naisha Kelly, who was a uh, libero on the team at the time, both freshmen. Um, and it was, I mean, Ryan Hall, we definitely moved up in the ranks as we, <laughs> as we uh, got older, but it was a fun place to start out. Our, there were four of us in my freshman class, Naisha, Maddie, Dunnigan, uh, Meg Giordano, and myself. And I was really lucky to be in a class with them. We all got really close. And the two of them lived in Hines and the two of us lived in Ryan. It was really nice to just kind of be able to run across that little uh, Padua Beach there and just, you know, be able to see each other all the time. We formed a great sense of community hanging out on campus. I've had a lot of fun. And we're going to dive into this a little bit right now about the, the day-to-day life of a college athlete and, and a college athletic student. Um, a lot of the guests that we have on the show, uh, they do not play at the Division One level and they all have their own unique Sienna story. So I think a lot of the listeners today are going to be curious about what that lifestyle was like for you and your other teammates at the division one level. How, how is the academic schedule built? What is practice like? Were you able to attend events like Siena Coffee House on Thursday nights? And, and what was that overall experience uh, on campus? It was definitely uh, a bit intense and restrictive, but not in a way that, you know, we were committed to it. We we wanted to be doing it. So it was, it was fine, but our, uh, you know, starting with 
with Lyft almost every morning, early in the morning, you know, immediately gets you out of bed. <laughs> and then uh, hours, of, we got, I think, two and a half hour practices and you got to get there an hour early. So it definitely is a big chunk of your day that is, you know, not spent uh, engaging on campus, kind of takes a few extracurriculars out of the running. You maybe don't make it to the team meeting or the um, club meetings and stuff like that. But um, overall, we just, we had a wonderful team and a team community. And I think the intensity that we, that we all brought really kind of brought us closer together. It was really neat. And you talk about being so close as a team and, and, and as a unit. And I feel like that is the case for a lot of the athletic programs at Siena. What, uh, at Siena specifically, what is the interaction between all the teams usually like? Like, are you interacting a lot with the women's soccer team, the men's lacrosse team? What is that athletic community like at Siena for you? I think it's a, a really great community. I mean, we we're constantly hanging out with uh with with men's basketball, women's basketball, you know, in the locker or in the um the training room. You see everybody getting treatment. It's uh you know you make friends across sports, go to each other's games. It's and you all kind of have a you know the same experience of oh, I don't want to get up tomorrow and go to this <laughs> live like this is gonna suck. Um, you know, you have those those weekends away, your friends are going out and you're in a hotel room in Buffalo, like, you know, committed to play the next game. You all kind of have that shared, like, uh, feeling, but at the same time, you love what you're doing, so. And I respect that to all the athletic uh, athletes at Siena and at the Division One and Two and Three levels. You know, I had 8 a.m. classes. I could barely get up for a 50-minute 8 a.m. <laughs> class, and then I was like, oh, okay, my day's over. I got to go back <laughs> and take a nap. Um, and athletics is a huge part of, of being a student athlete at Siena. And athletes now are lucky enough and, and, and fortunate enough to have the new Bob Guido Athletic uh, Center down campus where they get to spend more time together and, and kind of build that team chemistry. And yeah, there's going to be memories in, in, in the study lounges, right? Late nights, getting back from a game. Um, but overall, Siena Volleyball memories. What are some of the, the games or the highlights or the trips that you still think about all the way over in England? Uh, there's two that really stand out to me, both of which my, um, were my senior year. Our, uh, our senior night was probably my favorite game of all time. It was the first time that our program had beat Marist in five years, and we just had an amazing game. It was, you know, the last time that myself or my, my three um, classmates would, you know, ever play Division I college volleyball again, so we were really hoping to be able to put our all on the court, and we really did, and having that victory just felt amazing. And afterwards we had an amazing night, went back to the locker room, everybody was celebrating. It was, it was really great. And then the other memory that kind of stands out is at the beginning of my senior year, we took a trip to Wyoming to go play at the University of Wyoming. And it was it was pretty incredible. We, we didn't win, <laughs> but we really competed. And I think we proved to ourselves that we're capable of maybe more than we've thought or more that our rankings in the conference kind of show. Uh, and we got to see amazing just beautiful nature we saw these these mountains that like just nothing like I've ever seen and uh Maddie and I got terrible altitude sickness for the first day so I remember oh. that pretty well <laughs> yeah <laughs> that will always stick with us <laughs> after that it was a great trip and you know besides uh, advice of getting out there and, and experiencing the college life and, and taking these trips to Wyoming as as an athlete uh, we got about just a minute left until we cut to break uh, on the radio. Um, just, I want to give the final thought to you for this segment about some advice for a student athlete in high school, or maybe somebody that's a freshman in college trying to find their way um, at the division one level. Final thoughts to you, Abby. I would say just 
keep looking. Like I did not even know the whole Mac existed and it turned out being the perfect level of play for me and it suited my ability so well. So if you're coming from California at a school that was like putting out Pac-12 athletes, you know, like I had in my in my high school conference people that were going to Cal and, and Stanford and the biggest schools, I felt like I could never be that good. And then I realized there's a whole other world out there of D1 opportunities that you know, are available to you. So just, just keep looking, you know, don't get distracted by the, by the big stuff and think you can't do it. And for everyone listening today, you know, Abby has this fantastic Siena volleyball story, but she did so much more at Siena in her time as the Siena Saint. And she's continuing to grow her passions that she found at Siena over in Cambridge, England in grad school and playing volleyball over in England. We're gonna talk about all of that in the second segment. So stay with us. We'll be right back here on WBCR, 883 The Saint. Hey, you found us. 88.3 The Saint. Welcome back to The Saints and Alumni Show right here on WBCR, 883 The Saint. I'm your host this week, Brandon Murphy, class of 2017, Associate Director of Alumni Engagement. And this week I'm joined by Abby Hoffman, class of 2022, former Siena volleyball player and current graduate student over in Cambridge, England. We just talked about the Siena volleyball story for Abby as a Siena Saint. And in this segment, we're going to dive deep into the out of the, the other outside of the classroom experiences that Abby had as, as a student and her life now over in England. So first, Abby, I kind of want to give our audience a little bit of a backdrop um, about some of the extra work that you did uh, with Kirka and some of the conferences that you went to in SBI. And I want to first talk about that, that national conference in New York City that you attended. Can you kind of elaborate for our audience what that was, what, how you got involved with that, and what you took away from that trip uh, as a student? Yeah, absolutely. So I started working with Kirka in 2020, which is Center for Undergraduate Research and Creative Activity. Uh, working, I was a creative arts major, and so I was going to do the graphic design for a board game that the physics department was developing. Professor Bellis uh, and Professor Gatewood uh, helped me on that project, and it was called Quantum Party. We ended up completing the board game about a year later, uh, roughly. It was just such an incredible project to work on. I learned a lot about some basics, uh, kind of quantum mechanics principles I would never have learned about otherwise, so it was fascinating, and I had an amazing time making the design. It was so much fun. Uh, and we ended up taking it to a few conferences, two in a, in early of spring 2022, which ended up both being virtual, unfortunately. One was supposed to be in New Orleans, and then the Omicron wave hit, and so that went virtual. But uh, that was still fun. And then later in the spring, in late April, I think it was New York City for the American Association of, no, sorry, American Association of Physics Teachers was in January. It was the... Um, American Physicists Association was in in uh, April and it was so amazing. We got to go to New York City, stayed in a hotel right on Times Square for four days. Uh, I went with a bunch of other students from the physics department all presenting their projects as well. I had this massive poster in this big kind of poster hall where I got to, I set up the game and lots of different physicists were coming up and people seemed to really kind of be interested in the unique perspective of like taking, you know, such simple principles and teaching them in a in a really fun board game and artistic way. It was really neat to be able to be involved in that. And the conference was amazing. And it's always great to hear when we send Siena students uh, to conferences. And it's not just our saints sitting in a chair, listening to other people speak. But for you, Abby, you're out in front describing this process to, to an audience and answering questions. And I'm going to guess some of the audience today listening might have some similar questions about 
the bird game and about the conference. Um, how is the game played? What is the the, the driving force behind it? Is it is the website? Is it physical? What is what is this game all about? And, and some of the scientific meanings and creative uh, ideas behind it. So the game is called Quantum Party, and it's it's pretty simple to get the hang of gameplay. There is diff four different experiments that you can run uh, based on four different uh, principles of quantum mechanics. And you draw, you get to play one experiment at a time. You play as a cat that is in a box in a lab, Schrodinger's cat specifically, another little physics reference there. Um, <laughs> and you have to make it all the way across the lab to the end and collect a party hat to participate in your quantum party uh, to win the game. And the game is you need to get the most party hats um, or more than your, your uh, competition by playing through all the uh, different experiments. And there's a deck of cards for each experiment where you draw a card and it kind of helps you partake in the experiment or you're not, you're not so running the experiment, but you're, you're like taking a step in it. You're, you're, um, it tells you about running them and then it affects you. So like with the uh, Rutherford gold foil experiment, which is something I had never heard of until this project. So that's why it was so neat to be able to kind of merge disciplines for a minute. So you draw a card and your, your particles totally just scattered the wrong way, you know, it's a setback. Or, or something is messed up in your experiment, you get sent back, but say it goes perfectly well, the odds are perfect, you know, you move forward. So it's pretty simple to understand and a really neat way to incorporate, you know, physics into, into, into kids' vocabulary and their gameplay. Yeah, and you mentioned kids and, and a really easy game to play. So I, I think maybe some of the last questions our audience might be thinking about today is, is there, is there an age group uh, that, that can play this game? How long could this game take? Um, and, and how many people can play at one time? Yeah, so it's up to four players uh, and pretty much any age. I mean, I would say eight and up roughly, just for general understanding purposes. But in terms of the concepts that are explained, they're explained very clearly. They're distilled wonderfully by Dr. Bellis onto these cards. So I don't think there's a, you know, a certain level of physics understanding you have to have to be able to play. And it can be played either quick. You could just do like one experiment, which would take you know, probably less than 10 minutes, or you could go through the mall and play like the full game and maybe take like like 30-ish minutes, maybe. That, those, are, those are my kind of games. <laughs> Quick and easy. <laughs> I know there's an endpoint to it, and uh, it, it seems great. And you were also involved with uh, the Siena Beverage Institute later on in your college career. And I had recently attended a Siena Beverage Institute tasting, and I was talking with uh, Krista Dennis, who was the producer of Creative Arts. And we're going through some tasting notes and some of the designs and some of the, the bottles that we were tasting from. And Krista Dennis mentioned Abby created some labels uh, for a company. And, and that's when the light bulb went off in my head to have you on the, on the podcast and kind of hear the full Sienna story that you're sharing with us today. So for everyone listening, how did you get involved with SBI? What is kind of the mission behind SBI? And, and what did you take away from those experiences with that group of people on campus? Mm -hmm. So I took a class of Krista a while back. It was at the Business of Art, which was a really, really great class. I enjoyed it a lot. And so that was my first time meeting Krista. And uh, she ended up talking to me about Santa College Beverage Institute and potentially working for them the next year, which I did. Um, and it was really, really neat because you got such a kind of wide range of things. You got to work in graphic design with these different wineries or, or cideries or breweries. Um, but you also get to learn a lot about what you're making so like you know going to the tastings learning about the different wines the different spirits i learned a lot you know as a i was fairly uneducated on my alcohol before <laughs> and now like you know swirl a glass of wine and maybe not be like wow that's just wine i can look a little further <laughs> <laughs> but, 
uh, it was it was really fun to work with them. And Meadowdale, I think, ended up being a two semester project. I redesigned their labels and and their logo, and it was really fun. I think they're actually set to be printed this December. So the the, the labels that you created printed this December. Printed on their on their bottles this December. So perfect. And I know that when I was at the the Santa Beverage Institute, speaking about wine. And like we would twirl the glass and we would look at the legs running down the glass to see the different uh, particles that makes up wine and the different tastes and flavors to it. And for people that may not know what Meadowdale is, is that a, is that a New York State winery? Do they distribute within New York State? How, how could maybe we see the labels that you created? Yeah, so they are a New York State winery. They're located in Altamont. Uh, I'm not sure the, the breadth of their distribution, but I know they do sell wines all throughout New York State and I, I think most of the Northeast. So they're, uh, I've seen their wines in, uh, in Latham Bev, so. Well, it's a great <laughs> thing that Latham Bev is Route 9. <laughs> so we'll be able to easily go and, and, and take, a, take a tour and see if we can find those labels for you. <laughs> and then, you know, you talk about those kind of last two semesters in, in, at Siena and get involved with SBI. And for a lot of students, those last two semesters was kind of taking a step back and, and figuring out what they might want to do as, as their next step. And for you, that was grad school. Um, and you made a decision to, to go abroad for grad school in Cambridge, England. Uh, what was that process like for you? What were some of the, the key factors that made you want to experience that side of grad school? Um, what are you studying over there? And, and what's life like over in England right now? Yeah, so I'm currently getting my master's in graphic design over here at uh, Anglia Ruskin University in Cambridge. And I kind of had the idea that I wanted to go to grad school when working in Kirka and realizing graphic design is kind of my passion. That's what I want to do. I want to take as many opportunities as I can to get better at this and to pursue this. And I figured grad school is kind of the best way to further explore and expand my practice. And when COVID hit, kind of by the end of COVID, I was kind of like, I kind of want to get out of here. And so I <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe I go to Europe, maybe there's an opportunity there somewhere. Um, I'd also heard grad school was significantly cheaper in Europe, which is true. The whole, um, with travel expenses, housing, tuition, everything is cheaper than if you were to go in the States. So you get a whole nother neat experience um, for a cheaper price, which is kind of easy to me. And I know that when we had- but, And then I had all, oh yeah. That you talked about, you also get like another year or two over in, in yeah. Europe after grad school? Yeah, so your my visa goes an extra six months after my graduation date, which I can stay. And then you can apply for a graduate visa, which pretty much just grants you permission to stay here and either work or pursue further graduate studies for an additional two years. I've met a lot of people who have kind of pursued the same route as me and just ended up hanging out here for for three or four years or so on those kinds of visas and really enjoy themselves. So that's that's another neat opportunity. And you're also enjoying yourself playing volleyball still at the graduate level. Can you talk a little bit about what the differences are like at the undergraduate level in, in the States at Division One and some of the grad school volleyball experiences that, that you're having? Yeah, definitely. So uh, volleyball here, I ended up uh, actually getting recruited. I was thinking about coming here anyway, and then uh, someone <laughs> reached out to my coach about opportunities to play in England for for scholarship, and I was like, that's kind of perfect. <laughs> and so it worked out so well for me. Um, this level is definitely lower. Volleyball is not as, uh, as, as good in England as it is in the States, which actually means they recruit a lot of Americans. So if other people are looking for these opportunities, <laughs> they're constantly looking for American NCAA players. Uh, to come and join their teams. So it's also means I have met a lot of other Americans here that have kind of followed the same path as me. 
to get here, which is really fun. And the level is definitely not quite what I played at Siena, <laughs> uh, but it's super fun. It's a lot less intense. We don't have, you know, lifts early in the mornings. We don't have, you know, two a days. Sometimes we don't have a preseason, but it's, it's a really fun group of people. And it's, it's more so for, for fun than it is for intensity, which is kind of a nice uh, contrast compared to the last four years. So. And we just got about uh, another minute left in the, in the show today. We thank you again, Abby, for taking the time to, to share that story with us. And, and just like the undergraduate level uh, about outside the classroom experiences, you know, you're lucky enough to be in England right now uh, and having time to travel. What have been some of your favorite places that maybe you visited? Have you had family visit yet? And uh, just overall, how, how have you enjoyed that time in, in England? Sure. So before I uh, got to Cambridge, I ended up going to Ireland with my family, which was incredible. I haven't had a chance to travel many other places in Europe yet, but I'm actually headed to Rome for a weekend in two weeks uh, with, with another friend from the States who I met here. So I'm very excited about that. And then I'm hoping to go to Norway potentially in January, see the Northern Lights, maybe Paris. Um, everything, flights to Ireland from here are like 22 pounds, which is like probably like 26 bucks, which is unbelievable. So it's it's a really nice home base in Cambridge. I'm also a 40 minute train ride from London. So I went to London yesterday. It's so easy and I'm really excited to kind of see where I can get to in the next year or so. Well, Abby, we can't wait to welcome you back to campus, maybe for a volleyball game in the future, see all of the England photos and, and kind of see where your journey's been taking you. And, you know, you always have a place at home here at Siena for anything that you need. Thank you, everyone, for listening today, and we'll see you next time right here on WBCR, 88 Through the Saints.